Good morning. It is a joy to be here. And this morning we drove over from Minneapolis, Kansas. Some of you know where that is. Maybe it's a little north of Salina. And it was a beautiful morning driving over. We enjoyed, or I did at least, the others were sleeping maybe, but we enjoyed in the car the, the bright morning of, this, of the sun and the, the uh, Sunday morning sunrise that we saw as we were coming here. We are from Bolivia, and we do have some some prayer cards if you want to pick one up. I think there's some in the back. We have some more in the car. We may, I hope we have enough here. Ask me, I have some in my pocket. So after church, if you'll do that, we would appreciate that. I want to spend a short time expressing my thanks and, and uh, appreciation for yourselves and your help and support of us as, as people and God that, that you would uh, continue to pray for us and let you know what was going on in the ministry. We, uh, it was 20 years ago in January that I went down as a single to Bolivia and South America. And prior to that, as Mike had said, I had been overseas in teaching in a high school in uh, Japan and also in Africa. And so when I went down to Bolivia, it was a new experience there. I teach, and I still am at a school, a Christian school, of about 150, 60 students, high school, down to grade kinder. It is a missionary kids school, but only a third or so of the people are missionary kids. The others are the, the nationals from Bolivia or expatriates from other countries. And we, I teach in high school math and science, and I also work with the administration doing... Um, various tasks that they give me. I work in guidance counseling for high school. I have uh, worked also in, in the business office a little bit. There's just a lot of things you do as a missionary teacher that, that don't fit into just teaching math. We, we have camps, we have activities with students that we try to involve ourselves with as well. This year, beginning in August, we will not have a director. Our director is on furlough. He's a, a year, year in North Carolina. And myself and four other people will work together as a team to give direction to the school in the absence of the director there. We do need teachers, and if there are some here that have an interest in teaching, I'd be glad to talk with you further. But for this year, we still need a fifth grade teacher. Thank you very much. <laughs> And so please pray with us that we'll find a fifth grade teacher for this August, which is coming up pretty soon. We will be here with just one more week. I've been up in Minneapolis with my uh, family and my mother who was turning 90 this year. We moved her to Beloit to be in a, in a home that's a little bit better care for her where she's able to have um, more, more care that she needs than she can living by herself. In addition to the teaching at the school, my wife and I, or my wife more than I, are involved in a Bible club. We began the club when we were married about 15 years ago. The club began in our home. We began with 10, 15, 20 children. It grew rapidly to 30, 40. And so we moved it out of our home into a, the school where I'm teaching. And within a few years, we were having over 100 and close to 200 on a Saturday afternoons. And thinking about that, it was, a, it was difficult at the time to set up and take down, 
to, to feel like we were not in our own place. We were praying to the Lord for his direction. We wanted to have a club in our neighborhood. And the Lord provided for us, miraculously, a place that we could purchase, had a house on it, that we did. The Lord's provision for us allowed us also to build a chapel, which is about 2,000 square feet. It opened in 2008, five years ago. And we began there in a different area from where we were. It was just, we were in the school, and it's about a kilometer away. The area where we live is, it's not the poorest of the poor, but it's not a, a place that is the affluent or the middle class either. We, we are in an area where there is no church. There is, even the Catholic church is, there are some Catholic institutions, but there are no Catholic churches there. There are no schools there. there are, there's no running water and no sewer systems. It's, it's more rural, a lot of small acre, half acre farms where they have cow or chickens and maybe some other crops, a garden variety that they can sell or, or market. From 2008 to present time, we've met every Saturday and we have about 100 children that come. Many of those, I would say maybe 30 or 40, have truly come to know Christ. That's our goal and our purpose. That's our heart. The, the others that come, there's probably 60 or 80 that come on a regular basis and the others that wander in and out. The Lord has given us some workers, Christian workers that help us. We have, in addition to the club itself, where we have singing and, and Bible verses, memory of, of, of Bible verses, that my wife directs. We have a Sunday school type class for five different groups from infants to the mothers. My wife teaches the mothers. We have others that work with young people, the, the 12 to 15, 16 age. That's a difficult age at any stage, in uh, any place in the, in the world. But there, when you get past elementary age, it's, it's quite difficult if you're not a, in a home where there's, where there's a solid Christian background. And these children do not have that. And some of them might run around with uh, gang-type people. Some of them might drop out of school. Others are just, they're not, they're not bad in their, in their own way, but they, they, in, they get influenced by their world and by the, the culture in which they live. So we, we really desire that they would come to know Christ. And we have a young man named Franco. Pray for him. He's, he's a tremendous youth worker. He teaches that age group. He has 15 or 16, 18 that come regularly to his part of the children's club. And he really does a good job ministering the Word of God. And so pray for him. We are praying for him and for the others that are there. Even in our absence, they've been meeting. We, we are thankful for that too as well. Our heart is for children and youth. And we also work in a church. But the ministry to people, relational with youth and children, is what Gladys and I have been involved in. We are desiring that God would honor that. And the place where we have the children's club is big enough and, and it would be sufficient to have a Sunday worship time. We are not ourselves church planners. We're busy. We're active in other things. Our own family takes time. We are praying that the Lord would raise up someone else. It could be Frank, or it might be someone else who will desire to work with us on a regular basis and national on, on a Sunday time to, to have a Bible study and 
worship time on Sunday mornings. That would be our heart for the future in the, in the, in the club where we're at. We've thought about it, we're praying about it, and asking the Lord to direct our steps in that area. So that's us. My, my wife and children are, my boys are in high school, and they're at the age where they're looking at what they might do in the future as well, where to go to school, what they might be doing. So pray for us as a family, relationally with my wife and, and our children, that we'll have a, a God-honoring family. That's our heart, that's us. And now I would like to look at what God's heart is for us this morning. The past few months, I've been thinking about my own heart and the heart of God. And there's a lot of verses that speak to that in the Bible. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. We are reminded also in Psalm 139 to protect our hearts, see if there be any wicked way in our hearts. There's a verse in 1 Chronicles that says, Man looks on the outward appearance, but it's God who searches and looks at the hearts. And as we look at our church, not this church necessarily, but our churches in America and our own lives, our own hearts, sometimes we, it's difficult to know our own hearts and the hearts of churches. The heart is deceitful, Jeremiah tells us, more than anything else, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So our heart is a very delicate thing. It, it, it's, it's the life that gives us life physically, but spiritually the heart is where the seat of emotion is and where our love is centered. And our heart is what God desires. He said in Luke to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And so as I've been thinking over the past few months about the heart, I came to some Troubling verses. I'm trying to find Nehemiah here. You might open your Bible to Nehemiah, chapter 1. But there's some troubling verses in the New Testament that causes me to, to reflect deeply on my own heart. The church in Ephesus, where Paul taught for three years, at the end of the scriptures in the book of Revelation, it says, that this church had all good things, good works, good doctrine, good teachers, but in the midst of the good things that God found there, he said, you have one thing that's lacking. You've left your first love. That was a church where Paul taught, Timothy as well, maybe John, the apostle of love, and it had not been very long prior to the writing of Revelation, that God found that their love had been lessened. That God looked at their hearts of the church and he saw that it was not what it once was. And then there's this verse 
that Jesus spoke in Matthew 24 and the all of it discourse. And he says, because of the iniquity abounding, the love of many will grow cold. The heart of many who otherwise are good people, the desire to follow God, their love has grown cold. And I look at our world and I see the iniquity abounding and we all understand that. With It touches our lives, many on a personal basis. There in Bolivia, the iniquity and the evil is, is full of... It, it enters in without even as much as we want not to. I, let me say this about Bolivia. It's the number one country in the world for pornographic hits per person, per capita. The, the child trafficking and tra- trafficking of organs and the, the prostitution, drug trafficking, it's everywhere. But even in the United States or in the Western world, there are these issues of the world, the iniquity that fill our minds. We look on the radios or listen on the news, the TV announcing the wars, and sometimes we become calloused. Sometimes we, it's just another thing that happens and, and we turn it off and we forget it. So I want this morning to turn to the book of Nehemiah, the chapter 1. I want to look at Nehemiah's heart because I desire for myself and for my family and for the church that we attend and for you that God would examine our hearts and give us a heart that is pleasing to Him, a heart that would be open to and, and broken by the things that break God's heart. I want to read all of chapter 1 and, and then I'll be bringing some thoughts from this chapter 1 as well as some things from chapter 2. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, if, if you have a different version. But this is English Standard Version. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakala. It happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I had heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. 
Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you dis- your dispersed be under the farthest skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. These are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great hand and by your power. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. I want to bring some thoughts about the heart of Nehemiah, a heart that I believe God delights in. There's three main points I'd like to bring out. One is Nehemiah had a sensitive heart. He also had a very serious heart, and he also had a servant heart. Now, Nehemiah was a man of great power and great influence. He was the cupbearer to the king. He had it all, wealth, position. And yet, I want to bring out that he had a sensitive heart to the people of God, to their needs. Here came this man who had been in Jerusalem. And he came back to Susa, the capital of the Persians there. And he said, the people there are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates are destroyed by fire. Nehemiah inquired diligently into how the people of God were. Even though he had been in Susa and had this position and power, his mind, his heart, his thoughts were continually with the people who had great needs the people of God. He had a heart sensitive to what was going on around him. He was not so influenced by the position that he had to think that he no longer should have positioned himself with those who were more humble circumstances. He had a sensitive heart to the needs. He inquired diligently. Tell me, he said, And he asked them concerning his own people. Jesus himself also had a very sensitive heart. There was a story in Mark chapter, I believe it was chapter 3, where a man was brought in with a withered hand. And there around were the religious leaders, the educated. And Jesus looked at them with harsh eyes seeing the hardness of their hearts. And they asked him, what should happen with this man? And Jesus said, this man, his sins are forgiven. And he healed him. But he saw the hardness and the, 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 the religious eyes that were watching him to see what he would do. Their hardness of heart. But Jesus was sensitive to the needs of others. And Nehemiah was that way. His heart was sensitive to the needs of people. How often do we think and consider of our Christian brothers in other areas 
even in Topeka, who have great need. Is our heart broken for them? Look at what happened. He heard these words and he sat down and wept and mourned for days. How often have we wept and mourned for the hurts that others feel, for the difficulties they are passing through? For our Christian brothers in maybe perhaps in the Middle East or in the Asian countries where there is no freedom to worship, and every time they come to church, they come under fear that the government might shut them down or jail them. Is our heart broken for the poverty that others have whereas we have such richness and greatness in our land? Nehemiah had a sensitive heart. But he also had a heart sensitive to the greatness of God and the power of God. Look in verse 5, will you please? It says, O Lord God of heaven. And look at how he describes this God that he served. The great and awesome God who keeps covenant and keeps his command and steadfast love. He recognized that in the midst of the poverty that he felt burdened for, there was a great and an awesome God. And he was sensitive to that character of God who was faithful and a God who loved and a God who was concerned. He realized it wasn't just him that was concerned, but that God, the eternal God, the great and awesome God, also was concerned and had a broken heart for the needs of his people. He was sensitive to that God. To the holiness of God, his character, that is perfect. You see, we are not perfect. But Nehemiah understood that there is one who is. And he desires that we, his imperfect creation, look to him. Nehemiah was sensitive to God. He did not enter into his presence lightly. Sometimes we want to bring God down to our level. Sometimes we desire that we think of God as a, as a buddy or God as a, as a grandfather that, that is like us. But God is not that way. He's great. He's awesome. And when we really come into his presence, when we really come to know him and his glory and his honor, we are humbled and sensitive to the fact that we are sinners. We would be like Isaiah, like Isaiah, who when he saw the glory of God, he said, woe is me. Woe is me. And Nehemiah was sensitive that there was a God, a creator, a great and awesome God, who gave the word. He was faithful to his word. He was faithful to his people. He was sensitive to that. And so he could enter into his presence and pray for his people, the Jews. He was sensitive to the needs of the people of God. He was sensitive to the greatness and the awesomeness of God. But he was also sensitive to his own sin. How many of us enter lightly into God's presence, his holy presence, failing to understand that our heart is deceitful? 
desperately wicked. We are tainted with the nature of Adam. And to enter lightly into God's presence is great sin. Nehemiah recognized in the presence of the great and awesome God who is faithful and loving, he also had to acknowledge his sin. Look with me in verse 6, the last part of that. It says, Let your ear be attentive and eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. He was sensitive. He had a heart that recognized that there was not everything right. And maybe he was influenced by the culture, as Jesus said, because the iniquity abounds, the love of many will grow cold. And maybe he had somehow grown cold in his position of power and authority in the kingdom. And now he recognized that and he was sensitive that he had sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments of God. He was sensitive to the needs of others, the heart that God desires. He was broken by the things in the world that break God's heart. He was sensitive to the God, the great and awesome God who's loving and faithful. He was sensitive to his own sin, but he's also sensitive to the word of God. In verse 7, we have acted... Oh, verse 8, verse 7. We have acted corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. You see, he understood that God had given this word. And he saw in the book of Moses that God had said, if you reject me, I will tear you out of the land and disperse you among the nations. And he realized that the people that he had come from, his own brothers and sisters had sinned, and also he and his family, recognizing his personal sin. They had broken God's law. He was sensitive to what the God had said. How often when we read this book in our devotions, or just to read it, we glance over the troubling parts and don't let God's Spirit speak to our heart through it. Nehemiah was not like that. He opened his heart to God to speak to him through the word of God. And he was sensitive to what the word of God said. And he understood that they had broken God's law. They had turned away from the God of their fathers. And in our country and in our churches in the world today, perhaps the churches and the people of God have turned away from what this book says that is right and true. Perhaps in the churches in America, our churches have left their first love because the influence of the world and the politics and the affluence of society have somehow turned our heart away from the God. We no longer love him. 
with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength how much the church of God needs to repent and turn back and see what God's word says, how far we have fallen, that we have left our first love. Nehemiah was sensitive to that. And notice that when he came, the, 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 this friend came back from Jerusalem, he mourned and he wept for days. It was not just a one time prayer. It was days that he felt burdened for his own sin, that the word of God had been broken and neglected, that God had somehow in his character of holiness and purity and greatness and his awesomeness had been forgotten. He was sensitive to those things. He had a heart that God desired. He had a sensitive heart. But notice also he not only had a sensitive heart, he had a serious heart. A heart that was very serious towards God. This verse 4 says, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. When those friends, or that friend that came and from Jerusalem came, it was the month of Chislev, that was the eighth month of the year. And then in verse 1 of chapter 2, when he went in to see the king, it was the month of Nisan, which is the first month of the Jewish year. He had spent four months seriously with brokenness of heart, fasting, weeping, praying. Four months before he moved. He was serious about what God might say to him. He was serious about doing something for his people. He was not only just concerned, he was serious enough to make a plan. Because it says in verse 11, Let your ear be attentive to my prayer now, and give success to your servant today, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And then in chapter Chapter 2, when the king asked him, he said, what's your plan? He already had made a plan about what he wanted. (laughs) He he acted in faith. He was serious. He made a plan to go. And in those four months of fasting and praying and weeping and mourning, he was serious enough to make plans for what he might do because he knew that he could not let the people of God remain in that condition. And so he acted in faith even before he met with the king. Now the king might have said, no way. The king might have said, you're not coming back. He had this affluence. He had power, authority. He was recognized by the people there. And he was willing. He had a serious heart enough willing to give that up if needed because he was not going to let God choose someone else to go he was serious about what God wanted him to do how many of us and how many of our churches and people that are Christians they sit back and they retire and enjoy life but they're not serious with what God wants them to do 
There's all sorts of opportunities of ministry in our lives. And often we will say, well, I'll give. And that's great. Missionaries and others need your money and need, need your help and support. But you know what? God doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. He wants you. I think of Isaiah the prophet when he saw the holiness and character of God and he saw his own sin and God sent the angels, the seraphim, and touched his lips with the burning coals from the fire of God. He said, who am I? Here am I. Send me. He was serious with God. So also we need the heart before God that is serious. Enough to say, if God wills, I will do. He fasted and mourned and wept four months. How much of our prayer is serious enough to think about praying for one thing for four months? Nehemiah had a sensitive heart. He had a very serious heart before God. And he had a servant heart. Look with me in chapter 2. He was very much afraid. Verse, uh, verse 3, Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins? Its gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king said to me, What are you requesting? And I prayed to the God of heaven and said to the king, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, send me to Judah. He said, Send me. I'm a servant. Send me. You know, Jesus also had a heart of servant heart. He had it all in heaven. The glory of his Father, he shared equally. And he saw the need of the creation, the humanity. And I can picture in heaven's councils, the Spirit, and God the Father, and this Jesus... And the sin of man that was so corrupt and wrong, dishonoring to the Creator God. And of course, God had had it planned before the beginning of time. But I can imagine the discussion how will I bring about the salvation of these people who I made in my image? And Jesus said, I can imagine. It's in me. Because Jesus came. In Philippians it talks about he gave up that which was riches and glory and humbled himself in the form of a servant. Taking the form and shape of humanity. He came not to be served but to serve. Know the grace of God and Jesus Christ gave up his riches that we who were poor might be made rich. You see, Jesus Christ had that servant heart. Nehemiah had that servant heart. He had it all. But he said, send me. How many of us have that servant heart? Understanding our riches in Christ but saying, Lord, 
if you would call me, send me. I'll be your servant. I'll be your servant to the children in Sunday school. I'll be the servant to the food barn, to the area in Highland Park. I'll do the servant work that others won't. As far as I know, there was no one else in, in that community besides Nehemiah that felt God's call. And he said, send me. I'll be your servant. God desires for us and for the Church of America individually and corporately that we have a heart that pleases Him. A heart that goes beyond the superficial that we see so often in Christianity. The world around us is looking at us and they want to see something genuine. Do they see individuals and churches that have a heart for God that loves Him with heart and soul and mind and strength that loves our neighbor as ourself or is the heart of our church or our churches or is our heart like the church of Ephesus that we have all the right doctrine all the right teaching and all the good works but it's done without love for the Lord Jesus and our hearts are cold Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. May God cause us to renew our fellowship with him and be serious and be broken to tears and to weeping for the sin around us, for the churches that no longer care that God's word is holy. And they put God who is holy and awesome and great and powerful, the creator, on a level with us. He is not. God is big. We are small. Nehemiah had a heart that honored God. It's my desire for you, for myself as well. That we will have a heart broken, serious, sensitive, and servant to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to God the Father. God bless you.